Genre. Welcome back to Countdown to Infinity. Quick introduction, you got Ray Russo here from Dueling Genre Productions. Oop, I got with me Chris O'Connor. Yep, that's me. I'm also from Dueling Genre Productions, mostly. And Becca Raybergen. I'm just kind of here. You're part of the Dueling Genre family now. Yeah, you are now. I mean, we, we've you are now also of Dueling Genre Productions. I am now. They've adopted me. It's less of an adoption and more of a hire. I'm good with that. There's no pay. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. Whatever. Conscription. Yes. Yeah. Yes, let's go with wait, that. Wait, conscripts have, still that is exactly paid. how it happened. If you're tuning in today, we are talking about the 2008 movie, The Incredible Hulk. A movie which when it came out, I went, wasn't there just a Hulk movie five years ago? What is going on? Fun story. There was. <laughs> there was. I mean, it was really confusing. Ang Lee's Hulk was 2003. This is 2008. So a five year separation. And uh, similarly, Spider-Man 3. I, I thought it was earlier, but Spider-Man 3 came out in 2007 and The Amazing Spider-Man was 2012. So in both, for both Spider-Man and Hulk rebooted in less than half a decade. Exactly half a decade. Also, Hulk, sorry, Incredible Hulk was initially intended to be a sequel to 2003. Hulk. So when they started writing, it was originally going to be the same cast, Eric Bana and Jennifer Connelly, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott definitely showed interest in returning. I'm not sure about Jennifer Connelly or Eric Bana, but Universal didn't get it done in time, so they rebooted it. Mm -hmm. So when we were getting ready to start talking about this film, we all kind of had the same reaction, which was this movie was a lot better than... I thought it was going to be slash than I thought I remembered it. Yeah. I kind of feel like this movie is the redheaded stepchild of the MCU. It is. It super is. The really smart redheaded stepchild. Because the thing is, once, uh, once Edward Norton was out for Avengers and Mark Ruffalo took over, I feel like fandom kind of put up a wall. And just ignored it. Yeah, it kicked it into the curb, and we kind of like, we're like, eh, that doesn't count because it's not Ruffalo Hulk. Ruffalo, how do you say that? Hulk. Fluffalo. 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 Anyway, yeah, so it's not him. So it's kind of like, eh, not the same thing, but it is the same thing. Uh, it is. It is the same character. It's very much like even even before. Well, I think before the Avengers. I suppose the Avengers was so long ago. It's difficult to sort of track my history of thought and determine when I came to the conclusion that the Incredible Hulk wasn't that great. Or I mean, I suppose just in comparison to Iron Man. Uh, it didn't hold up as well at the time or something like Iron Man like had had more staying power in me the Incredible Hulk at some point just kind of fell away in my mind and it was like the also ran it was also there but having watched Iron Man and Incredible Hulk 
here within just, you know, a week of each other. No, they, they stack up really well. In fact, in some ways, The Incredible Hulk is better. I, I was kind of... They they have... It's interesting that they have the same problem, which we'll get to, which a lot of the, the Marvel movies even still, even still have, which is that the finale just kind of falls apart. Yeah. Like, everything is so great in the setup, and then it's like the final boss battle is like, hmm, hmm. Mm. I fell asleep during the final fight in Captain America, the first Avenger, but I'll <laughs> talk about that later. Um, one of the interesting things as far as Iron Man into Incredible Hulk, they were like a month apart when they hit the box office. Wow, I didn't realize they were that close. And Iron Man had all the flashy bells and whistles and all the tech stuff, and Hulk is just like, oh, this guy again? So I can totally understand why people would want to see iron more of iron man than more of hulk wow yeah that's probably why it feels like an also ran i was doing this sort of mental exercise when i was watching the film which was trying to see if in my head i could superimpose mark ruffalo over edward norton and still get the same effect of what was going on and you can in a and lot i of ways. really can and then i when i was watching avengers later i tried to like superimpose edward norton over mark ruffalo and it worked it's, it's it did they do really seamlessly blend together. And Mark Ruffalo does make it his own, but... Well, I think he took Avengers to kind of, you know, put himself in the Norton Hulk role. And then when we get to Age of Ultron and then Ragnarok, we see more of Fluffalo. Yeah, he, he did build and make it his own, but it's definitely rooted in what uh, Edward Norton started with. Mm-hmm. So I think in starting with what they started with, let's uh, talk a little bit about the opening credits. I love the fact that it was like opening credits as origin story because we don't have to deal with all that. It's, it, it is it is interesting. Like they know that this movie just happened five years ago. You know, the Incredible Hulk in many ways, the second movie in the MCU, as much as, you know, for like the first phase and even a lot of the second phase, people are like, oh, I'm tired of seeing um, superhero origin stories. It's like. You know, the second one in the series wasn't an origin story. They assume you know what's going on. They just put it in the credits, and it's like, everybody knows The Incredible Hulk. There was a 2003 movie. There were a bunch of 80s TV movies. There was that 70s show with the awesome piano song. You know The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he had more airtime than probably any other Marvel hero other than, like, Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, he, he, the Hulk is just such an iconic figure that you grow up in America, and I think you, you know who the Hulk is, even if you've never picked up a comic or watched a comic book movie in your life. Yeah, people know what you mean when you say that somebody's hulking out. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know what? Hangry is a real emotion, so I will say that you <laughs> do not like me when I'm hangry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cranky when I'm hungry. Um, one of the interesting things that I found when I was doing research is that they had 70 minutes of cut footage. Wow. That mostly evolved around the origin stuff and stuff that was filmed for the credits and then the initial opening scene was cut in its entirely and it had capsicle in it what so yeah so initially they filmed him going to the arctic circle to commit suicide you know that i put a bullet in my head and the other guy spit it back out um and i guess like in a glancing shot you see either the shield or Cap himself. Wow. Yeah. And they took it out because they didn't want to make that be like an Easter egg. They wanted to actually be able to focus on it. That is crazy. So when they, uh, I, I guess, when did they, when did they cast um, Chris Evans as, 
I mean, I assume it was just a shadow or something. Yeah, sure. I'm not really sure. It it was definitely later than that, though. Much, much later. Yeah, much later. So it would have just been like a figure in ice or something. Mm -hmm. Wow, they shot that. That's crazy. So you have these credits, you go through the origin story. But like the one thing that really gets left out of the origin story for Bruce Banner as it's presented in this film, and it was done in the Banner film. And it's just like such the core of the character is that Bruce Banner is a victim of child abuse mm-hmm. and he was raised by an abusive father, which there's a lot of abusive fathers in Marvel canon. So I'm just kind of wondering, do you need to tell us something, Sam? <laughs> it's like, is, is there something you need to tell us? I think the fact that he is an abuse victim informs a lot uh, about how Bruce carries himself as like, he's very soft and very gentle. He has seen what being not soft and not gentle does to people Mm -hmm. even before he had to contend with the Hulk. And the Hulk, I see in many ways, is like his, like, it's the rage. It's the rage of being a childhood victim that he could do nothing about. And, yeah. Yeah, even even um, in just that bit in the credit sequence where, where Betty's in the hospital bed and she's, you know, obviously been extremely beaten up by by the, her encounter with the Hulk. You can see like in just those couple of seconds of, of uh, Bruce, like, you know, sitting in her bed or like wanting to see her, like how much it tears him up that that he did. He's responsible for this. He's a gentle soul, but you get to that point later in Avengers that that's my secret. I'm always angry. And it's true. That's very true of someone who would have gone through what he did. This is so much a movie about him learning to reconcile what's inside him. I feel like touching on the abuse thing would have benefited the movie, but um, I can see why it wasn't included. But I feel like it's an important thing to the character. It It is an important thing to the character. The thing is, it got... It just got, you know, to forgive the expression, beaten up so much in the 2003 movie. It's it's just like, let's not go into his father. Let's, you know, there's there's more that we can do. There's there's other aspects of the story we can get to. Angley tried so much to to cover that stuff. Um, and and it, it's like, you know, if he kind of didn't it didn't turn out so great for him. And he's such a great director. Um, it's kind of like, let's just sidestep that and see if we can make a different movie. And the overarching theme of the movie is control and power. You know, you have Bruce who's trying to keep control over the other guy and cure it. Or just get rid of it. Yeah. Blonsky and Ross who are trying to either control the power or control Bruce himself. Yeah. Like, like I think it's that, that Ross wants to control the power. He wants to harness it. And Blonsky's just like, this is so awesome. I want to revel in it. Yeah. Blonsky wants the power. Ross wants to control the power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ross, Ross, like Blonsky wants it. Ross needs it. Ross thinks he needs it for the military, for, for, you know, the, the purposes of, uh, you know, expressing the will of the United States government. But Ross does not want it himself. No. He does not want to be the one with that power. No, he does not. I think in many ways, Ross feels more powerful having control over someone who has that power. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that plays out later in um, in Civil War. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And his obsession with, you know, if I control powerful beings, I'm the powerful one. Like the one character or, or like, you know, one of the, the real holdovers from this movie to, to pop up again in the MCU, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, as we go. But it, there, there's a lot here that could be that could come back, could be used that sort of, you know. 
hidden away in the closet um, along mm-hmm. with, you know, this, this movie's reputation um, and that they could use if they wanted. Completely set up Samuel Stearns for a second movie. They completely oh, yeah. set up the leader. Yeah, yeah. Because he got like that cut on his head and he got the Hulk mm-hmm. blood in his head and granted my... And there's no reason for that to not be there. I mean, he's he's out there. Except that Universal, I think, has the first refusal. Yeah, they do. <sighs> oh, God, I hate you, Universal. Disney, buy Universal now. <laughs> no, no, we have to stop the, the monopolies. My, my, my real question here, I guess, is does Universal have the right to... To the abomination, to Emil Blonsky, because uh, just going to get it out there. My favorite part of this movie is Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky, not the abomination itself at the very end, but Tim Roth as as this, you know, aging special forces guy who's a little dude. He's a little dude, but he's he's a mean little dude. I love it. He is so good in this. Ooh. Originally, he was supposed to be a KGB agent, and Roth goes, no, let's make him a soldier. Ah, it's so good. I like that better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like that, uh, his introduction. His introduction, by the way, was done by, um, oh, I have it in the notes. Yes, uh, Dottore from Spartacus. Yes, from Spartacus Blood and Sand. They, that guy is a great actor. He's really awesome. Conceivably, he could come back for some reason. He could just be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., since these guys are all apparently S.H.I.E.L.D. agents or something. Yeah. Or are they Hydra agents? Or yeah, they're probably Hydra. Yeah, uh, let's man. Be real. But Emil Blonsky, um, yeah, born in Russia, raised in in uh, England, uh, on loan from the uh, from the Special Air Services, the British Special Forces, which is an interesting arrangement. I don't know if that can actually happen in the real world. It's like, hey, let's we're we're in SEAL Team Six. Let's borrow this guy from uh, from England. We're, well, if it's S.H.I.E.L.D., they probably can do whatever. Yeah, World Security Council Same, might have and even more if it's, Sp- if it's Hydra. Spydra. Spydra. <laughs> <laughs> I win. You win. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll gushingly talk about Blonsky, like, throughout this discussion. Do we want to, like, tackle the movie, like, from beginning to end, or just, just talk about stuff? How do we want to go? Uh, let's just rock beginning to end, I think. Yeah, I think so. All right. So All we right. start off with Bruce... On his own, in Brazil. In the favelas. Watching Sesame Street. Watching Sesame Street, which is... That's a great touch. It's great. It's a great little character moment. It's a, it's, it's a very simple and smart thing to do. It's, it's like, you know, the, you know, this guy's been to college. He's learning the language. He's not like being, um, you know, too... Um, he's very studious and very serious about it. Um, he's not trying to like punch above his weight. He's like the best way to learn the language is the same way you teach your kids to do it. It's like he, mm-hmm. he, has, the, he has the dictionary in front of him while he eats his breakfast and he watches Sesame Street. And it is so cute to see. Was it Grover? Like going back? Yeah, Grover's like going in yeah. and out of the the the, the door. And he's like, yeah. And you see him like copying the language. And you know, I like his uh, his little slum apartment. It's very Fight Club. Yeah. And his little dog. Yeah, the dog. Oh, his dog. Cute little dog. Cute dog. Cute. The Cute dog, dog was okay. It was just Tranks. Oh yeah. Well, I mean. But still, it informs no. a lot about Blonsky's character that he just shot a dog. But that yeah. it was a tranquilizer. That is a. That's like a. That that's a, a thing in. It's like a trope or a bit in in sort of writing where if you want to make the audience hate your villain, it's not that you have them kill a person. It's not that you even have them necessarily kill a child. You have them kill a dog or a cat. You know, yeah. like a puppy yeah. or a kitten. But. But 
again, it's just a tranquilizer. He's not actually, you see him like, it's like, you know, the sort of cold motion, um, you know, that you see in lots of other movies where you, and the, and the dog like whimpers after it's shot, but it's a tranquilizer. He didn't actually kill the dog. So it's like, mm-hmm. yes, he's doing the sort of villainous thing. And in the moment, you know, he's doing what Ross wants. He is the villain of the piece, but he's just doing his job. And there's no reason to think that he's any more villainous than any soldier ever is Not you know. I mean, depending on what and side you're on. he doesn't even really know the details. No. Mostly because he doesn't ask. Because he doesn't need to ask. He's a soldier. He does what he's told. He doesn't need to Is know. Is he a fighter? Why? Ah. He's a fighter. Is he a fighter? No. You don't need to know, ask if he's a fighter. You just don't. Like, Blodsky asking that question was a great line. But, like, Ross's sort of comeback was just like, all right, shut up, guy. Just say yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really liked the chase scene across the favela because it was clear like oh. Bruce totally had planned that out. He had he had mentally mapped out like yeah. an escape route if he needed it well, and practiced it. Yeah, yeah. He he he, he stays fit. Like as we uh, as we see in um, you know in sort of like the establishment where you know you see him before he goes. To, was it before or after he goes to work? Anyway, but you see him like training with. Um, do you guys do you guys know who this is? Do you guys know who he's training with? He's a jujitsu master. Yes. I know that. It is Hicks and Gracie. He's a legend. There is a a documentary about him from the 90s called Choke. It was released by uh, Manga Entertainment, which was like a, um, you know, a distribution company in the States that released mostly anime. But for some reason, this uh, this documentary about Hicks and Gracie and a couple of other fighters going to the 1994 Vale Tudo Championship in in Japan, like that bit where he's doing the ab rolling exercise and like you see his 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 sort of like guts go in and out. Um, You can watch him do that in this thing you know basically 14 15 years earlier in choke and it's you know really cool when he does it there um he he talks a lot about his philosophy about the gracie family like um i don't know how much you necessarily know about brazilian jiu-jitsu and the gracies um hickson is the the family like enforcer he's the guy that they sent in to uh answer challenge matches to do challenge matches like it's all hyperbolic sort of fish story stuff but people say he's got a 400 no record and that kind of thing um he's uh he's absolutely amazing and when my friends and i saw this movie in the theater and hicks and gracie popped up like unbeknownst to us we like all screamed we're like yeah Hickson! and everyone else in the audience looked at us like we were idiots and we're like just shut up you guys this is great <laughs> This is so good. And just, you know, the, the bit where he's like slapping him and telling him to control himself and and just that 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 scene like really informed how I watched the uh, the fight scenes throughout the movie and to like catch little bits. And like you'll, you'll see it like if you know what to look for, like there are little things here and there where, where he's doing some jujitsu and it's really awesome. And it just it made me so happy. I got I got pretty happy about that scene, too, because even though um, I practice a completely different martial art, there's still that same sort of. Uh, commitment to controlling yourself under pressure because that's what you need to do. That's what a martial art is about. It is about war. It is about fighting. And you're never going to win if you can't control your fear. Yeah. I enjoyed it because it was the perfect way for Bruce to learn how to control himself. Aside from that whole blood heart rate thing which makes no sense. It does introduce the, 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 the heart rate monitor like um 
uh, sort of gimmick for this movie, and it makes it make sense in a way that everybody will understand throughout the movie. I, I, the heart rate thing is debatable, I think, in terms of how it actually works, but it does set up something, again, that's used later in the MCU, which is the concept that Bruce would have created a serum to lower his heart rate, which is what they use to fake Nick Fury's death in Winter Soldier. And it's all connected. Of course it's connected. It's all the same universe. (laughs) Mmm, tasty. And Stanley picking up the tainted bottle of Hulk blood soda. That's maybe my favorite Stanley cameo. I love it. It's pretty darn good. I think there's a couple others that are contenders, but... I'll get to those in yeah. the movies later. Yeah. Like that 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 bit where you know, like you, you, the, the drop of blood like goes through the grate and it falls down, and he's frantically running to go get it. There's so he's so dramatic about going to get it that he goes there and he's like he spots that bit of blood and he's like, oh, you know, everybody in the in in the factory is like stopped and they're like, oh, what the what's he doing? What's going on? And he cleans it up. It was such a big dramatic moment. It's it like, was. wouldn't you look at the other bottles to see if you got everything? Look, there's Come a giant on. ketchup stain on this other bottle. <laughs> there's like a giant, there's there's like, that's a pretty big drop. How did you miss that? I just really oh. love, though, the whole concept of Bruce working in that factory. Yeah. Because it's such a, like, simple, mild-mannered job. It's clearly, yeah. like, below his skill set. Why don't you let set, me put you he... on payroll? Oh, <laughs> I think, though, that's like a I don't want any bit... records. It's a little bit him being undercover, but also I think a little bit of self-flagellation. He does that so well. He does. Bruce doesn't think he deserves nice things, and that's a theme that comes up repeatedly. He could he could probably stay under the radar. He's a he's a smart, capable enough guy that he could probably stay under the radar, but still live in a nice apartment. Yeah, yeah. But he chooses not to. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's made the choice to live in this kind of making himself miserable situation. <laughs> and yet surrounded by so many uh, people. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, like watching him, like, you know, wandering around the favela and, and just being so friendly with all of his neighbors and like such a happy-go-lucky dude. He looked, you know, I mean, um, I, I love Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. And he is like, uh, personality wise, also a very friendly, lovable, likable guy. But and I mean, maybe I'm just sort of misreading them on account of their build. But it seems like Edward Norton is a much smaller, scrawnier man. Uh, yeah, like Ruffalo seems physically strong. Like if you look at him, you're just like, I, I wouldn't want to beat him up. You know, I wouldn't want to have to fight this person. But if you look at Edward Norton, it's just like, hey, he's a beanpole. I'll throw him off the thing. <laughs> <laughs> he really he really is a, a beanpole and he's a fairly muscular back. Oh yeah, he's very fit. Lean. He's fit. Um Yeah, he's very fit. I believe that he can do the parkour and yeah, I I I get that he's been training. Uh Ruffalo is got, he's got a stockier build and he has to do a lot more physical work to make mm. himself look small uh in comparison. <laughs> yeah, he does seem to hunch quite a bit. Yeah. Hunch also- and rub his hands and just look around nervously at everybody. I'm trying to remember, when the movie starts, how many days has it been since our last nonsense? 158. So he's been free for just six months, five, six months, yeah. yeah. About half a, a little over half a year. Um, like that. Yeah. 
appreciate that they kept a day counter. <laughs> it was like a helpful sort of, again, like the heart rate monitor, it's another sort of fun way to sort of keep track of things in, in movie um, that you can't necessarily keep track of. Like my favorite bit is, you know, after, you know, the incident at the soda bottle factory and he's on the run, like how long did it take him to get from South America to Virginia? 17 days. There you go. <laughs> yep. Which makes sense. Yep. 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 Yeah. I mean, oh, but yeah, I, I stopped you guys from talking about the uh, the parkour chase through the favela where like oh, Blonsky's God, after him. It's so good. So fast. And, and that was, you know, like I, I remember watching that. We're just like parkour, 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 parkour. And then the soldier goes through the laundry at, or and like just falls onto the street below. Yes. Oh, poor guy. I know. I, I We jumped, I think. Yeah. Which is <laughs> like, oof. Oh, yeah. you can see that happening. Yeah, it, could, it would just be like, yeah, that would happen. That makes sense. You know, these crazy rooftops that don't make sense. You know, there's no sort of plan or, or organization to it. Just, there was no city planning board. Just like run, 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 run. Oh, oops. What a terrible mistake I've made. Fall. Flack, flack, flack. What do you mean a hill of houses? And, <laughs> and it's like it's really clear like like uh, that, you know, like these younger fitter guys are like directly running after Bruce and they're losing and Blonsky just stops. And he's like, mm, I'm going to go this way. And he he finds him. He absolutely finds him. And I, you know, if it wasn't for the Hulk, Blonsky would catch him. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would have he caught him. It's like, so it then, doesn't matter how much training uh, Bruce has done. He's not going to win this. Yeah. So then that chase ends in the factory. But what's really, really interesting is it's not Blonsky so much or his team that gets him to Hulk out. It's yeah. his co-workers. Yeah. His co-workers have found him because he stopped one of them from sexually harassing a woman in the factory. Martina. Yep. Yes, Martina. And they decide they're going to beat the shit out of him. Dunningly sweaty. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> I love that. wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. And he's like, ah, mm, darn it. <laughs> it's like, close the no cigar. Yep. That, that was a great moment. I remember yeah. that that got a big laugh out of the audience. It was a lot of fun. It was, you know, really played with the, that line that we all grew up with. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, he, he runs into them. He, and that's when he hulks out. It's not throughout the chase when his heart is pounding. It's when they have him up against the wall. Yeah. Literally. 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 And he's yeah. like begging them like, no, you don't. He's like, guys, don't do it. <laughs> This is a terrible mistake you're making. What I really liked about once he does Hulk out and that whole sequence in the bottling plant and then through the streets and everything, you don't actually see the Hulk. Yep. You see his shadows, you see an arm or a leg, but you don't really see his face. And I love that. And the one thing you do here is just this very desperate, leave me alone. Props to Lou Ferrigno. Oh, I think that really encapsulates... Everything you need to know about the other guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he kills like six people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's bottling like a- plant accident wrong, gone wrong. But yeah, like Blonsky, Blonsky like running away. Like, I loved, I loved Blonsky's scene where he's like yelling at Ross. He's like, he, he threw a forklift <laughs> at me like it was a softball. He's like, oh, I mean, this is yeah. very upsetting. <laughs> you would be pretty upset too if you were sent in after little beanpole guy and. I. The other Absolutely. guy, the Jolly Green Giant, going after you. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly Green Giant. Anyway, um, so uh, we had Hulk out number one, and he ends up like 
In Mexico. No, Guatemala. Guatemala. Right, right, right. Because the next guy... Mexico would be a hell of a jump. The next guy he comes across only speaks Spanish, and then Bruce is apparently fluent in Spanish from uh, ahead of time, which is great. It's it's a more common thing to speak in the United States than Portuguese. And he starts hitchhiking his way back to find Betty. Yep. Yes. Hobo Bruce. Ripped shorts. His (laughs) ripped... Kiana's much stretchy. Which Kiana's is, much stretchy. Kiana's much stretchy. Who is more stretchy? Not which is more stretchy. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. Maybe I misheard it. I, my my Spanish was in high school. I know Kien is who, but maybe which. Dear listeners, this is not a bilingual podcast. <laughs> Tango and gato and mis pantalones. I think we should all take a moment to talk about Betty. Yeah, Liv Tyler. Very physically similar to Jennifer Connelly. Anyway, so remarkably similar. So remarkable, I remarked on it. Also, She's kind of, I'm on team pretty good boyfriend. Yeah. Like, he was a decent guy. I mean, she's been through shit. Right. She's been through shit. She doesn't know where Bruce is. And she's been able to start to move on with her life. Yeah. And that's good. It is a modern family dad. And the guy is nice. There's nothing bad yeah, about he's, him. He's nice. He's... Oh. You know, he stands up to Ross and he's understanding Mm -hmm, about Betty. He's not like worked up and weird about it. He's just like, yeah, I know who this guy is. I understand why she's doing what she's doing. It sucks for me personally, but I know it's not about me. Oh, my God. A mature human being understanding that some people don't feel the same way about you as you do about them. (gasps) Yeah, he's he's a rare beast. That one. I feel like I just missed a prime Hamilton reference opportunity. Yeah. I'll find it. I'm, I'm thinking about the scene in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where Heather's like, well, the logical side of me knows it's not your fault that you don't feel the same way about me as I feel about you, but the emotional side of me wants to put this dart through your eye. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, man. Oh, wait. So, yeah, we were talking about, uh, about, about Betty. And Bruce's also finding out about Betty's new boyfriend. He's weirdly chill about it. Yeah. <laughs> Betty's new boyfriend, who at any point could be called back to be the counselor for Tony Stark. Well, I thought Fluffalo had that job. Yeah, I know. That was kind of a a missed opportunity there. I mean, it was a great joke, but whatever. I mean, he doesn't have the temperament. (laughs) (laughs) Temper jokes. But anyways, um, their reunion is just so soft and sweet and wonderful. And it made me so angry that Betty's existence and... Bruce's feelings for Betty were completely written out of the movies later by Joss Whedon. Angry fist shake. The only reference to the only reference to Betty, like after this movie, I think, is uh, that they call the Hulkbuster armor Veronica. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like that's it. That's really it, which is really heartbreaking. Which doesn't make any sense. Side eyeing Joss Whedon really, really hard, which is kind of my default state, but. That is 100% was that was that his choice? I mean, I don't know if it was his choice, but it is also grade A Joss Whedon. It is Cordelia and Angel Redux. Well, I, I imagine that he didn't have any sort of professional problem with Liv Tyler, but you know, no, I, I mean, just like the way he handled that relationship clunky. and the build up to it was. Exactly what he did with Angel and Cordelia, which is that he had everyone else around them commenting on it. Even Laura Barton commented mm-hmm. on Bruce and Nat, and she had seen them hey, for like going on with three them? seconds. 
<sighs> I, I hate Bruce and Nat so much. I do. I really do. If you watch the first Avengers movie, their interactions are actually really good. And I am a ship whore. You can get me to ship the most ridiculous things really easily. <laughs> but he went about it in such a terrible way that and I could gonna... get on board. Don't worry, guys. We're going to talk about this during the actual movie podcasts for these things. <laughs> Sorry. I'm on Betty Defense Squad right now. I, I feel about this the way Betty feels about that cab driver in New York City. Oh, my God. That cab driver. Poor Betty. She's, she's, she's being all breathy in the rain, and she's, she's all sad. She's just like, did I see what I saw? <sighs> Breathiness. Yeah. At Stanley's Pizza, no less. I was like, how tempted were they to have Stan Lee be Stanley? I love, I love the bit about he's like, oh, you know, can I stay here? He's like, yeah, of course. He's like, can I, can you let me do one other thing? I need to use you as subterfuge to get into the computer lab. And bypasses Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Oh, the, okay. So the moment with Lou Ferrigno was great. You know, he like comes up, yep. he's got like the, the well-practiced sort of spy, like uh, social engineering hacking kind of story. He's like, oh man, I got to try and deliver this or I'm going to be, you know, I'm in so much trouble, blah, blah, blah. It's a great little interaction. And Lou Ferrigno, the security guard's like all, oh, I don't know, man. And he's like, I'll get, you know, I got a, I got a spare pizza here for you. He's like, God bless you, brother. I love that little moment of like interaction between yep. them like you know you can see it like right there that that's just edward Nor ed norton being like i really love this show and you were great on it Woohoo! thank you and then you have the dude in the computer lab the dude in the computer lab when i saw this i flipped oh my god like i don't know um like at the time what he would have been known for if anything like maybe a commercial or something but the dude in the computer lab that he gave the pizza to is martin star of silicon valley fame also Dun, dun, dun. In Spider-Man Homecoming, he's Peter Parker's like uh, academic decathlon coach, Mr. Harrington. So mm -hmm. in universe, this is Mr. Harrington at college 10 years before. <laughs> he's seen the Hulk tear up his college. <laughs> so maybe that like informs like part of like, you know, what he's saying. Like He's like, we'd, we wouldn't want to lose a student. Not again. He's seen some stuff, Mr. Harrington. <laughs> also, I was reading that the novelization of Incredible Hulk. They name him as Amadeus Cho, which is bogus because it's a white guy, but also cool because Amadeus Cho becomes the Hulk. Yeah, yeah Amadeus Cho is indeed currently the Hulk with the champions, I guess is what the yeah. young group is running around as Kamala and Riri and all those adorable. And Miles. And Miles. Miles! Oh. Where I think we've like lost track of anyway, we've got like so many things to talk about, but so much of this stuff like sort of, but yeah, so so Blonsky had like that bit where he's like, he threw a softball at me, you know, he threw a, a, a forklift like a softball. And, and uh, Ross is like, all right, let me explain this to you. Let me let me give you some history without ever actually saying Steve Rogers or Captain America, which I was kind of surprised that they weren't willing to say, I, I guess. Like if they had sh now knowing now that they shot a bit where like they had a capsicle, I'm kind of surprised that at no point did he say, did you ever watch any, you know, did you ever watch any old war footage and go, who's the idiot with the shield? Well, this is what happened. But, you know, like the, the bit where Blonsky's like, I'm 39. He's like, you're still a captain. You should be a colonel by now. He's like, I want to stay in the fight. You know, he's 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 very much um, he's like a, he's a simple guy. He's a he, he wants to fight. He 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 knows what he's good at. He enjoys it. He's not interested in being a paper pusher. He's not interested in being in charge of other people. He, he he's a very focused individual. And, he, you know, he goes like, I'm 39. And like we get to see him later with his shirt off. And, you know, he's fit, but he's, you know, not 
really that impressive. And, you know, that bit about he's like, uh, you know, if I could take what I know now and put it in the body I had 10 years ago, that's somebody I I wouldn't want to fight. And Ross is like, okay, let's go ahead and use the last of our Captain America sample to to make you awesome. Yeah, I really love that moment, though. Just what it says about Blonsky as a character and just, I don't know, the nature of knowledge and age and ability and how they kind of... One goes up and the other goes down. Yeah, that also made, um, as far as acting choices goes, for Tim Roth, it was uh, he couldn't train for it because he's like, I'm a 39 year old soldier. He wouldn't be in the best shape of his life. And then they had to make him. They had to be able to make him look in better shape just a couple days later after the the shot, the injections. And it's like you know you can you can see like where what his motivation is and where he's coming from. But he's like. You know, obviously, like at this point, he's still not really a bad guy. He's just the soldier trying to bring in this incredibly dangerous, you know, as far Ross tells him, like, this guy's killed, you know, hikers, he's killed cops, he's killed all sorts of people. The, the Hulk is itself a dangerous menace. And so it's kind of, you know, he he's the good guy a little bit, a little bit like a, a bit from his perspective it's yeah, one of the it's one of those I things where from his perspective himself. he's not the bad guy you know the, so yeah, it's so the, it's his mission and you know he makes this choice and and interestingly ross is like all right i mean he's the last of our super soldier serum which how have they not used it before i don't know <laughs> it's like there's there have to have been other points where it's like this could come in handy and then so you have blonsky going after him with his new speed and strength and everything and then Bruce is trapped in that walkway and they shoot in the gas canisters mm-hmm. and he doesn't hulk out until he sees that Betty is in danger, that she's being physically moved by her father, who she calls General. Yeah, at first he's like, Dad! General Dad. Yes, sir. General Dad, sir. But yeah, so again, that goes to the whole, he hulks out to protect people that he cares about. From perceived abuses. And proceeds to then, you know, he does... He does the thing. He does struggle a bit. They catch him in that, like, sonic... That sonic uh, blast. That was really cool. Yeah, the the active denial system. uh, It's a less... It's, yeah, that was a cool effect, and it's uh, interesting that they use that because it was a very new technology. Um, The weapon, like, the, the version that they did there isn't quite what we have made um but it's based on a real weapon system it it sort of has directed um sonic waves if you like walk into it it, it becomes it's like unbearable and you just walk out of the uh you, you, you can use the weapon to sort of make a barrier um where there wouldn't otherwise be one uh, for like crowd control and stuff so that Shockingly, was really cool you but also, like you know die if you're exposed to gamma radiation in the real world so you know <laughs> <laughs> yes yes they, they play fast and loose with the with this science stuff science. wasn't there an old yeah. line in geek by night where simon said the original geek by night where simon said you know he, he wasn't into comics because they were heavy on the fiction with not enough science Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah, along those lines. Uh, well, yeah. And also that sign I just said, that line I just said about, uh, you know, we're just playing fast and loose with this whole science <laughs> thing right now, aren't we? Yeah. Wasn't that also a Simon line? Simon has the best lines. If you haven't listened to Geek by Night, go over and listen to Geek by Night because it's awesome. <laughs> that was a totally natural plug. Self-promotion. All right. So, so before I get to the part of this scene that I love, I got to talk about 
the part that I didn't, which is, okay, so Banner hulks out and he bursts out of the hall and he comes flying and you get the hero shot and he goes, I'm Hulk. And I'm like, oh, look, it's a, it's a computer generated image. Um, <laughs> it is not the best CG in the Marvel yeah. universe. It is not, um, it kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Like, uh, when I'm watching it again and I imagine when I watched it the first time, like, like, uh, I was, I was really into how things were going. And then when he just kind of pops up in full force and like when the Hulk takes up the whole screen, I mean, it looks not all that different from the, uh, you know, the sort of computer generated image in the tie in video game that was released at the same time. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a very good CG render. I think you're being a little harsh because I actually, when I was watching it, felt like it was pretty good for the time. Things get dated really, really fast nowadays. And they I do. even felt that uh, the Iron Man suit in Iron Man 1 was starting to look pretty dated. And I actually preferred the, the Hulk CGI to some of the Iron Man CGI. And that whole Iron Man fake chest thing was oh my god that was practical effects but that was a weird that it was a weird practical effect no like like the thing is like uh for cgi uh for computer generated images it's so much easier to make like the iron man suit it is all like flat planes curves metallic shininess as opposed to a flesh and blood monster um like it just I, for me, the CGI on, on Iron Man in, in the first, I didn't, I, I don't know if I did in, in our first episode there. I don't think I remarked on the CGI at all because it was, to me, it still holds up. It's, it's fine. Um, but here, uh, you know, it's sort of that uncanny valley. I mean, granted, there's no real life Hulk to sort of compare what? to, but it felt too much like a cartoon. Fair. Okay. That's fair. But I sort of, I kind of give it the benefit of the cartoony doubt because it is such a okay, unrealistic okay. image. Unreal yeah. thing. Yeah. Also, by the time we get to Avengers, it looks much better. And by the time, by the time they get to Ragnarok, oh my it's God. just brilliant. Hulk CG has gotten way better. <laughs> That's something that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Completely believable Hulk, but but then the part of this scene that I absolutely loved, uh, like, you know, the, the bit with Blonsky, like, outpacing everybody, just, like, sprinting ahead of the younger guys, and then he's, you know, Ross is like, alright, go in there, let's see what you can do, and he's got, like, you know, the grenade launcher, and he's charging in there, that. and Hulk has got, like, the, he, he takes the bits of scrap metal and is using them to, like, block stuff and, and like, using his knuckles, and Blonsky runs up and does, like, this scene, this was another bit where, like, me and my friends, we were all, like, cheering, and other people in the audience uh, as opposed to the Hicks and Gracie moment were they were also cheering like this was a great moment like watching this it was like wow when they do the actual like Captain America as a super soldier he's going to be able to bounce around the screen and I'm going to completely believe it and this is amazing like yeah, it was, was so good. good and like Blonsky's moves are excellent like he's 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 like he's he was doing it like when Ross is like, Ross is like, he's doing, my then, God, he's doing it. I was like, yes, yes, he is. And then <laughs> puts him into a tree in an ugly way. Yeah, that was, that was so good. Like that, that bit where he's like, is that all you got? That's kind of where it's like, all right, buddy, you're making a mistake. Like this is where the steroids yeah. and the power and, and, you know, the te- he's getting a little testosterone poisoning mixed with whatever was in the serum. It's starting to get to him and it's, it's changing him for the worse. And he's like, you know, I don't think that uh, uh, Blonsky at the beginning of the movie would have done this. No, I think I think you're very right. 
It's like, and he should have died. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then he, he like a bowling ball, a bowling ball skipping across a field and smashing into the tree. And the audience in my screening, because I watched it like opening weekend and it was a packed house. We just erupted with laughter. Like, <laughs> that guy just got murdered. <laughs> And then Hulk grabs Betty and King Kong's off with her? Nope. Yeah, yep. and Frankenstein's off into the wilderness. He absconds. He absconds. He absconds into the rainy darkness. But you know what? Something happens afterwards with the two of them that I really appreciate and that the movies keep going, which is the way that Betty talks to Hulk and the way that she gets Hulk to respond to her is she speaks in a very soft tone. Hey, big guy. Sun's getting real low. <laughs> I was like, it's the perfect setup for the lullaby. It really was. You know, yeah. as, as hokey as I think the lullaby is as a plot device, it, it was well set up. And I think it would, <laughs> you know, we talked earlier about the Hulk being a manifestation of childhood rage. He would respond to that. Mm -hmm. That is something that a child would respond to. And it makes sense is the only way to respond to the Hulk because you can't beat him. Right. So yeah. it's like it's it's a very counterproductive, um, you know, tact to try and take him out. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Which is also putting on my I used to work in the mental health field hat here. Uh, a crisis um, de-escalation technique. People naturally mirror um, the behaviors of people around you. So to de-escalate a crisis, you have to put yourself in a quieter calmer tone and no matter what the other person does if you keep doing it eventually they start to match you depending on their particular psychosis it's always a parenthesis depending on <laughs> everything is unique so bruce and betty in the cave with the rain and the thunder sexy cave time no Oh man! And then uh, at the motel, where he like empties out her purse and says, "We can't use any of this." And then she's like, "Can I keep my lip gloss? You can keep that." <laughs> yeah, we got like forty bucks in cash. That's it. Ah, sexy cave time, sexy shower time, sexy haircut time. The sexy haircut was really special. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what, but just, like, the intimacy of that moment was really beautiful. And just, like, the yeah, way yeah. it showed the way they thought about each other and, like, him saying, you know, I, I used to do this. I was doing this for myself for mm -hmm. so long with clippers. And just, like, the way she ran her fingers through his hair thoughtfully, thinking about what mm. it would have been like for him to have been and, on the run for so long. And, oh, my God, I ship it so much. I'm having a problem. he just... <laughs> He allows himself to be vulnerable with Betty, and it's just gorgeous. There's a level of trust. Yeah. That's what it really is. It's really, it's really good and sweet, and it, and it, and it's going great until beep 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 beep. beep, beep. Uh, can we the, the heart rate Christ. monitor? Beep 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 beep. I can't get too excited. <laughs> Not even a little <laughs> bit excited. That elicited that elicited a groan in the theater. We were all just like, ah. He hasn't figured it out yet. He hasn't figured out the secret. Also, they're still treating the audience 
kind of like dummies. It's just like, really? Uh, It's an acceptance story. As much as I said at the beginning of this episode that this is not an origin story, you know, perhaps in a way it is. It's him coming to terms with the Hulk and trying to learn to control the Hulk and to be the Hulk as a heroic figure rather than I have to stop this thing. That's a really good way of putting it. And then we get another great audience moment. Blonsky and traction. (laughs) (laughs) When they when they cut to that and they're like, you know, his bones are are like gravel, you know, (laughs) it's just crushed rocks, you know, but he's got a strong heart and then his hand starts moving like when, um, you know, I said uh, that the audience just erupted with laughter when Hulk like push kicked him into the tree. We when they sh- when they cut to him in the in the in the hospital bed in traction, everybody erupted like twice as much. It was it was a, such an it was such a great like setup and payoff. It just made everybody so I was like, oh, my God, he's so dead. But this is great. And then you get the little bit where he's like clenching his fist and it's like, oh, no, oh, oh. Oh. this is bad. This oh, is very, no. very bad. You a bear. You made a bear. <laughs> Undo it. <laughs> no, I mean, he, but the thing is, as far as the you made a bear moment, that hasn't really happened no, yet. No, it hasn't. Not yet. Like, like we said, we started, he started to get a little warped in the mind. Yeah. He's not well, really thinking yeah. clearly. Yeah. He's, he's definitely serum and, and testosterone poisoning. Serum, testosterone poisoning, and yet he still is not strong enough to beat the Hulk. So he needs to find the More one person power. who can get him stronger which is coincidentally the same person that bruce and betty are looking for yeah. to try to figure uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a bit like i don't want to i don't want to control it i want to get rid of it and you know like ross wants to control it blonsky wants to get it and then as we're about to see here his mr blue mr blue also wants it he doesn't want to get rid of it he has been catfishing uh our poor yeah. our poor friend bruce give me your blood he yeah man that's like a that's a pretty serious violation oh that was so creepy you know to be like i need a blood sample buddy send me your blood and then he does it <laughs> he sends him a little bit of blood yeah that was just that had a bad idea yeah. written all over it and we did really talk about it in the beginning but that was part of Bruce's like self-isolation with trying to find a cure communicating with this person that he only spoke to in code names god knows where god knows who yeah kids no cure don't send people your blood over the internet <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to send blood through the mail. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Do not send your blood sample to a, a stranger you only know as a color. Don't trust people on the internet, kids. You got to you got to meet in a public place first. <laughs> Although now we're uh, paying 100 bucks a pop to send companies our spit. True. Yeah, that is oh, true. I did that. It's awesome. My mom did that. My yeah, my dad like uh, in his retirement has really gotten into genealogy and building out family trees, and so uh, he got a number of those kits for for a lot of us in the family. So they go to New York, <laughs> and you get like the great little scene where it's like, oh, let's take the subway, and he's like, mm, no, and underground, underground, and a tiny metal no. tube with the angriest people on earth, which they're not that angry. And this sets up the gag for the Avengers with. <laughs> It's a submarine, <laughs> and then the helicarrier takes off. Oh, no, this is so no much, much worse. worse. Oh, man. And then the taxi cab. And then the taxi is a nightmare, which, as a New Yorker, I will attest to the fact that our taxi drivers and not so much the yellow cabs, but like the, the like black cars are 
fucking nightmare as I've been nearly hit by several in the last couple of months because they don't give a shit about stop signs. They don't give a shit about speed limits. They are the worst. And then Betty gets out of the car screaming her head off. I am Betty. You are Betty. I am Betty. And then Bruce is just like, you know, I know some techniques that could help you manage that anger. Uh, It was the perfect moment. (laughs) Oh, man. And then they get on the boat, and they make it to the college and the lab, and he's excited, and then yeah, yeah. blood. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, but first, we, you know, like, they they actually, they go through Mm -hmm. the test to try and, and like, deactivate Hulk, and and they're like, well, it could be, this could be it permanently, or it could just be this one instance. And, you know, they they get him enraged, and he's like, the the little chair that he's on is starting to fold and buckle, and he's, like, thrashing around, and people are going to get hurt, and Betty does this awesome Hulk straddling move, and she's, like, looking at him, she's like, Bruce, Bruce, it's okay. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So soft. It felt good. And then they run. Because guess who showed up? Blonsky. Blonsky. Well, no, but like before Blonsky shows up, like, you know, you gotta have the scene where where they realize, oh, yeah, you know, I've I've been making synthesized copies of your blood and testing it on small animals. And it's going to be great. None of the other test subjects survived. We're going to we're going (laughs) to cure disease. We're going to make people awesome. It's going to be so great. You know how you thought that as a scientist, I would be just like you and not want to create some sort of world ending super weapon. I lied. You were wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> it's not just the military that's uh, not uh, that's out to abuse the Hulk. It's it's science too, buddy. <laughs> I really like that aspect of it. Actually, I really like that. You know, we've seen so much focus in the movie through military strength and military power, but scientific power is a very real thing, and it too. can also mm-hmm. be abused. It can be abused. Just as it can easily. Be, yep, it can be easily corrupted. It's the whole movie just keeps coming back to that theme of power and control. Yep. And then, and then he makes a bear. And then Blonsky's like, you know what? This isn't over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up there and uh, see what's what. He like Spider Man's up the stairwell, <laughs> and uh, he knocks out like you know the the officer that's interviewing <laughs> um, Mr. whatever his <laughs> yeah. actual name is, the future leader. Uh, <laughs> what's with the big brain? He's, he's well, like, you're going to make really me big, big and strong, too. Oh, yeah. Like before this, like we totally missed the part uh, where he's like got his like back is starting to like bulge out. Yeah. And and like, you know, his weird like doomsday spikes. And he gets on the he gets on the helicopter and they're like, are, are you all right, man? How do you feel? And he's like, like a monster. It's just like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, and like, then the, the, the bit about he's like, I need informed consent. He like picks him up, <laughs> <laughs> which you have now given. That was just such a so great good. moment when he's just like listing off all the horrible things that could go wrong. And Blanca, he's like, I don't care. Give me more drugs. And he's like, yay, I get to do crazy science shit. <laughs> Yeah, which is, you know, it's like it really helps you know, understand like uh, later on how much how special Steve is, is that, you know, like a lot of people like to make the joke that like, uh, oh, yeah, Captain America, what a great story. Take a nerd and like load him up with steroids. It's like, how did you get your superpower steroids? It's like, well, yeah, OK, yes, he did. But he 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 didn't do it for the reasons that people typically use steroids. Right. Uh, you know, that that's not sort of the setup there. It's not. 
he's not coming from a, from a place of, of, you know, wanting to seek that self-aggrandizing power. Um, he doesn't like bullies. Yeah, he doesn't like, he doesn't like bullies. He wants to be able to, to stand up to these people. It goes to what Erskine said, that the serum enhances the core of the person. So Red Skull got worse and Steve got... Steve, <laughs> Stevier, and Blonsky got Blonskier, and yeah. yeah, Blonsky wants to fight. That's why he didn't become a colonel. That's why he wasn't commanding people. And it enhanced the anger within Bruce. Bruce's anger that he's been holding his whole time, his whole life, got magnified yep. by the serum. Yeah. Ugh. This is why we Ugh. really liked this movie. They, they fly him away, they fly him away, and then Blonsky abominations out and just starts tearing up the city. And you have that adorable little moment where they're like, the Hulk is loose in Harlem. And, he's, and you know, like Ross looks over, he's like, what is wrong with you? You're an idiot. Ah, bah, 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 bah. I don't understand. Also, so when uh. we get full on abomination, <laughs> like I saw it and I couldn't not think of Doomsday. Yeah, there's that. And, and this kind of, I mean, like, you know. It's an all right design. I get it. Like this is the the character from the comics, and and what's going to happen here in this last act? Uh, I think as we we discuss, like it, it's kind of like it just it kind of feels like they took like up until the moment where he fully abominations out. I was completely there with Blonsky. I was like, this guy's yeah. awesome. This is a great villain. And then he kind of just becomes this big doomsday genera monster, and I'm mm. like, eh. Okay. It's Iron Man versus Iron Monger 2.0. Same yeah. fight scene. <laughs> exactly. Sa- exact same thing. S- same fight scene six weeks later. Mm-hmm. Although that clap effect was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although, like, like, like between the two, uh, as much as Iron Man is on the whole a better movie, and uh, you know, I that one definitely. I mean, I guess it had the advantage of going first. Blonsky, I think, uh, and even the even the abomination being an abominable abomination of what he had done, uh, even even that, I think, is still better than Obadiah Stane, Ironmonger. Yeah, you yeah. understand his motives better. He's a much more compelling villain. Yeah, like I, I feel like I understand Obadiah and his motivations after having watched the movie a million times and like really absorbed the performance. But, but you only have to watch Incredible Hulk once to understand Blonsky. Yeah. And even though it's he has a simpler motivation, I find it more compelling. Yeah. And I, I find his performance mm-hmm. more compelling. Yeah. As we, we, we get to, you know, this this end battle, this climactic confrontation, um, as much as it's a problem uh, that, that it goes down this way, Blonsky's still alive. The abomination still exists. He's still mm-hmm. canonically in the MCU. And the leader's still out there, too. <laughs> the leader is still out there, too. I mean, that's that is an interesting. I, how much did because uh, like I, I didn't really read like old Hulk, like the most I ever read of Hulk was in um, the Ultimates, the Ultimate run um, yeah. and, and, and that stuff there. So like I never read old Incredible Hulk. Did was the leader like were the leader and Abomination just Hulk villains or did they ever cross over with Fantastic Four or, or with the Avengers? I know Abomination was primarily Hulk. Yeah. But I don't know. About I don't leader. know so much about the leader. To be honest, my main exposure to the leader was through Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Mm. which did tend to stick to comic book plot lines pretty Mm -hmm. close. Like, they did play fast and loose, making, for example, Bobby, I think, was the Skrull Queen 
for Ranky. Secret and was thank you for Ranky instead of Jessica Drew, but um <laughs> I really like that cartoon and I'm kind of as much as I love the MCU, uh, I have a little bit of a disdain for the cartoons and the comics starting mm. to warp yeah. themselves to mirror that. That's yeah. understandable. More. There was one thing that I picked up on, at least for me anyway. So the final battle takes place in Harlem, right? Uh, last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem. That's the line in Avengers. Yeah. And that's how Bruce sees it. You know, he caused all this destruction. Did not do it alone. I feel like the public saw him as saving them. Yeah. I mean, they had a very clear couple of minutes of abomination, like literally tearing ass down the street and killing people left and right. So, you know, there's abomination like first, like just crushing everything. And we get the little scene on the helicopter where, you know, Bruce is like, you know, did his cure work for just that one incident or is it permanent? And it's just like, oh, this is the only thing we can do. Throw me out of the helicopter. I'm like, I think you're maybe skipping a step. I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool visual moment. It's a great scene. But I, I think there are other things you could do first um, rather than fall out of the helicopter. That, that scene was another one that was held over from Zach Penn's initial script in 96. In 96? Wow. Remember, the first Hulk movie had about 15 years worth of production history. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Man. Ugh. But yeah, and also that, that little bit on the, on the helicopter where, you know, they're standing on the edge of it open. Was anybody holding on to Betty? No. It seemed she like was she was there. it seemed like she was just standing there and I'm like that is very unsafe. <laughs> I I I don't like this. This makes me nervous. This is a superhero movie. That it's helicopter like, is going they, to crash. They have this moment where where like you know they're talking there for a little bit and then he's like I got to do it and he falls off like really dramatically and I'm like that's kind of a beautiful little shot. But then then her dad's like, somebody grab her and pull her in. And it's like, nobody was holding her the entire time. <laughs> it just made me so At nervous. Least we knew Valkyrie could take care of herself in Ragnarok when he jumped out of that ship. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, man. Oh, my God. Now, oh my God. I didn't remember that fight scene when I saw ragnarok and now i want to go watch ragnarok and be like bruce didn't you learn your lesson last time so okay so this is the, his first big fall in incredible hulk uh he falls again in uh avengers he falls in age of ultron too right doesn't he have like a big fall in there he like falls yeah, but the and, oh the difference is in avengers he falls as hulk he falls as hulk he doesn't fall as Bruce. Oh, and then in, in Ultron, she fro she pushes him off the side and be like, I need the other guy. And, yeah. and then he pops up. I think he yeah. falls in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jane. Uh, She's going to have I as mean, much brain damage as Giles one of these days. I mean, look, Thor has to be shirtless in every Thor movie. Yeah. Hulk has to fall in every yeah. Hulk movie. And it is kind of interesting. Like, you know, he falls and he's like apparently not hulked out and he just hits the concrete. I'm like, OK, so he's dead, right? <laughs> Oh man! But now he hope. Well, that makes sense. You know the the pain and the I think, impact. The, I think the fall would would do that. I would hope. Well, whatever. So he the point is he hulks out and like you know cars his knuckle dusters and like a lot of great like comic book moments. I would hope. Um, but again, like I had that kind of problem with uh, the CG. Like uh, you know when when they're grappling with one another and like there are a couple of elements like in there where I'm like again I was like oh there's a little bit of jujitsu there. I mean you know there, it's the Hulk and the abomination, so it's not that you know smooth but there were some certain stylistic elements to their fight choreography where i was like i recognize that um and uh you know the the bit with uh the chains and uh 
Well, okay. Even before that, um, this is the thing mm-hmm. that I meant to bring up when we were talking about the Culver, uh, Culver University scene. Um, and in that scene, like, you know, the military opens fire on the Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with their small arms, but then their 50 caliber machine guns and then like the specialty stuff that they have. Any bullet, especially like any 50 caliber round that didn't actually hit the Hulk is going to go another couple thousand yards and go right through whatever wall it hits and kill who knows how many people. And that was bad enough. That was like really irresponsible, like bad use of fire firearms in like a, a soft target civilian environment. But then in this scene, in this scene, they take a minigun on a chopper and just start lighting up apartment buildings in Harlem. And I'm like, how many hundred people just died? Because a minigun. Shield broke the, <laughs> Seriously. The minigun. My God. Have you ever seen like a video of like a minigun being used on like a vehicle? Yeah, it's horrifying. It's insane. It's like a little hellfire like erupting in a car. And it's just like. It tears that thing up. That thing being used on a standard like residential building in New York City that isn't, you know, fortified against anti, or, or, you know, anti-vehicle rounds. There's a lot of dead people in that building that didn't need to die. <laughs> anyway, irresponsible use of firearms by the military in a civilian it's, area. Uh, it's actually, it's okay. Luke Cage is bulletproof and he ran around. He saved everyone. He saved buildings. everyone. He wasn't in Harlem at that point. Yeah, he was. was he he would have no. been in prison, I think, no, at the time. I'm trying to make myself yeah, feel it's better. Bad. You know me. You know how much I like continuity. Luke Cage was not in Harlem. You know, at some point, Luke Cage needs to like be sitting in a park, like in front of a nice piece of art, and is like, "What's that? Oh, it's the memorial to those hundreds of people that died when the Abomination and the Hulk fought here." It's like, yeah, and oh man, that would be a great like moment where it's like, man, the Abomination, what a what a terrible monster that was, and it's like, yeah, the Abomination really only killed like twenty people. It was the you know Shield guys with on a minigun that actually killed the other hundred and forty. Yeah, I feel like that thematically would fit that would, really well into Luke Cage. It would. I'm just saying. That would. That would really fit well. It's like, oh, you mean law enforcement didn't really help the situation in that moment? <gasps> at, at, so at that time? surprised. <laughs> Fake sarcastic yeah. shock. So, all right. So, like, Abomination takes down the chopper and he's going to, like, kill kill Ross, kill Betty, um, and all the other soldiers that are in there that are disposable anyway. Um, and, and him and, and Hulk are fighting and, and they grapple and fight it out and Hulk gets him in the chains and he's got it around his neck and he's about to pop his head off like a, you know, something that you pop the head off of. And Betty says, no, don't do it. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) It's like, okay, I, I, I get it. You don't, you don't necessarily want to see this. We don't want the hero to decapitate thing. We, but, but the alternative is that he just lets the guy go and, and that's exactly what happens. And then he bounces away like a more destructive Spider-Man and the abomination is still there. Yeah. He's just, and the abomination isn't dead. The abomination is going to get like, I don't know if you've ever been choked out. But um, it actually uh, typically wears off pretty quickly and you're all right in in a short amount of time. When the abomination comes to and is very angry, what are they going to do to him? (laughs) They're going to die. They're sonic gun cannon things. 
Oh man, it just it's just like uh this is a terrible mistake. Yeah, so it was something of a weak ending to that fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that ending and it kind of uh and and not liking the cg and and just it was kind of a, a an unfortunate climax mm-hmm. to an otherwise great movie but what i did like was the very last scene where they yeah. go off into whatever woods and cabin he's at and he's on the he's on the floor and he opens his eyes and his eyes turn green and he smiles yeah that was because really good. he's finally just accepted that the Hulk is part of him and that he can kind of control it. I am always angry. Instead of I am Iron Man, yeah. I am the was, Hulk. Yes. <laughs> but it was that smile. Yeah, was that was a good, for me. Good, good moment. The smile was great. That's when he figured out his secret. Big bag of weed. Yin and yang, man. Everybody's always got yep. anger in him. It's always yep. there. Got to learn to live with it. Yeah, and he took himself from being surrounded by this enormous population at the beginning of the movie where he can potentially do so much yeah, harm. Yeah, that was a mistake. such a tight control over things to being in the middle of nowhere where he can relax. Do whatever he and wants. And do what he wants. And then he somehow gets to India and is, again, surrounded by a ton of people. But you know what? By that point, he mentally, I think. He's more in control and he's actually trying to help people, I think. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. That's I, I got cut off. I was about to say he's he's healed mentally from the trauma of becoming the Hulk and is starting to, like, actually try to do good in the world because he's, again, self-flagellating, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> It's just, yeah. that's what he does. He's on a mission. He's on a mission. He's, I... Like a missionary. He's so he's soft. So soft. <laughs> that's literally what I was going to say. He's just such a kind... His soul is so gentle. And I think that, you know, obviously that's done to be that other side of the coin to the Hulk. But yeah. it's just, it's so endearing because I don't think you see a lot of characters who are like that, and particularly male characters and particularly uh, male protagonists. Yeah. I suppose you don't. Such a good movie. Yeah. I like that. Someone whose power is in his intelligence and kindness. And the fact that he turns into an enormous green rage monster. Yeah. Yeah. So then credits roll and we end in a bar. In a bar. Yeah. Reload. Yeah, and uh, there's Thunderbolt sipping down a little something, something. And Having a really terrible time. Asshole <laughs> in a, a suit really bad day. Shows up. You have such nice suits. <laughs> and says we're thinking about putting a team together. Oh man, this was so that was great. Yeah, because it was just a couple of weeks after Iron Man, and I remember, ah. Uh, yeah, like the all the talk on the internet is like you have to wait all the way through the the credits and like this, you know, establishing that that sort of the the MCU tradition of no, you have to watch all the credits, you have to pay special attention and thank everybody who made this, neener neener neener. And you know what? It's worth it. I'm glad. Thank you guys. I think it's nice that it kind of forces everyone to sit through the credits because so many people go into making this movie and they're they're the real unsung heroes i have family members who work in like putting together dailies and people who work in sound editing and it's just like you look at these names there's thousands and thousands of people who go into making this 
And you see the big ones. We remember the actors. We remember Nate, Kevin Feige and, you know, but then there's like, you know, a team of five people who worked on one small amount of the CGI mm-hmm. in this film. And all those you know, union workers. Yeah, all the union workers. So, you know, props to all of them. You know, they deserve they deserve our respect. Thank you for putting these movies together for us. And then Tony Stark gets his next film. <laughs> Two, Two years, years later. later. Two years in the official Marvel Studios reshuffle. Yeah. So Man, yeah, so I guess we had a lot more to say about The Incredible Hulk than, like, going into this, like, uh, you know, th- this project, our countdown to infinity. I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess The Incredible Hulk episode's going to be kind of short and humdrum, do 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 Nope. I, I, I liked it. I liked it way more than I remembered. And I, I, I hope that uh, all of you guys did, too. Yeah. Listeners. And if you're, you know, if you haven't actually watched The Incredible Hulk again since it's fallen into that red, red-headed stepchild category, I hope listening to this makes you want to go back and watch it because... Please do. It was good. If for nothing else, you need to see where uh, Mr. Harrington, the uh, decathlon, academic decathlon teacher, you know, coach for, for Peter Parker came from and what he's seen, where he's been, yep. his journey. Just that. Only that. <laughs> And everything else in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Seriously. Everything yeah. else. Please watch it. Good stuff. All right. Ah. Anything else we want to say before we sign off? Excelsior! I wonder if I shouldn't do that. <laughs>